plenal. <laughs> I was going to ask you how you doing, but apparently you're doing fine. <laughs> Joke's on me. How's everybody doing this morning? We're doing well? Doing well? How am I doing? I mean, I was okay. <laughs> Good morning, everybody. It's wonderful to see you all. Wonderful to see most of you. <laughs> it's a glorious Sunday. I'm glad we're all here together. Praising together, praying together, sharing laughs together, giving handshakes and hugs. Uh, if I haven't had the chance to meet you and uh, you're a guest with us today, my name is Jonathan. I'm part of the team here from Family North Oaks. I am the pulpit preacher. I usually give the messages on Sunday. Uh, regardless of what you may have heard about the length of my messages, you be the judge. <laughs> Um, yeah, that's pretty much it. You guys ready for the word? Yes. You ready for the word? Yes. Ready for the word? Yes. All right. You know, I like to do my affirmation before we get into the word. So if you'd like to join me, please hold up your Bibles and your Bible apps and say these words. Say, I believe, I believe. the word of God. Word of God. I, hope I hope in the promises of God. God. Say it like you mean it. I trust my life, trust my life. to the will of God. Will of God. Amen. 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 I always like to uh, emphasize that last one. They're all important, but I like to emphasize that last one. I trust my life to, to the will of God, because if we actually do trust our lives to uh, the will of God, then we will surrender. We will yield. Uh, we will allow him to take the lead and take command. We will allow him to give us our ideas, our definitions, our paradigms, uh, our goals. We will let God be in charge and we won't try to co-manage with him if we really trust our lives to the will of God. Amen. Trusting our lives to the will of God means that uh, God's plan uh, for us is the plan that we accept and we embrace and we do whatever we have to do to make sure that we are going to live according to his plan because we trust him. And today uh, we're going to continue uh, the series that we uh, have been on talking about faith and more specifically living a life of faith. And how living a life of faith is actually living a changed life or a, a transcended life. We're supposed to be different because we are people of faith. We're okay with that, right? Simple message. Simple message where you go A to B, B to C, C to D, and all those other letters uh, until we get uh, to, to the finality of, of Z. But we have been talking about living a life of faith. And a life of faith, again, is a transformed life or a changed life. A transformed life is a, a life that is changed or is changing. Okay? Uh, I always like to think that I am changing because if I say that I've changed, that means I'm done. And I don't think I'm done. Believe it or not, I think I can get better. Some of you guys don't know me. You're like, no, you're perfect. <laughs> Some of you guys know me a lot better. You're like, mm -hmm. well, we, we love you anyway. A changed life or a changing life is different from the old life. And our lives are supposed to be different from the old life. That's why we call it a new life, right? Um, we do things that are unmistakably because of faith. We do things that aren't attributed uh, or other reasons are not attributed for what we do. We do things that are unmistakably done because we have 
faith in God. It shouldn't make sense to people who don't have faith in God. People who don't have faith in God should be confused by some of the choices that we make and some of the direction that we take uh, with our daily activity and, and our, our decisions. People who don't have faith in God uh, might even ridicule us and call us derogatory names, uh, uh, characteristics because of the choices that we make. Why are you doing that? That's stupid. Why are you doing that? You can, you can, you can do this instead. Do stuff for you instead of doing stuff for others. All that kind of stuff. But living a life of faith, unmistakably I do this because I have faith in God and it's not about me. It's about him. Amen, amen, amen. So we do things because of faith that are unmistakably because of our faith in God. Uh, uh, we talked a couple of weeks ago about faith learning. And we have a faith that is going to constantly uh, be learning uh, from God and from our mentors. We, we talked about a faith that teaches. And so our faith, we, we are people uh, who teach and help others to be everything that, that they're supposed to be uh, in their faith. And today... We're doing something else that, or we're going to talk about something else that, 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 that faith does. And if we are people who really do trust our lives to the will of God, this is going to make sense to us. Uh, we're going to look at a, a familiar passage today. Uh, we're looking at a, a passage from Paul uh, that's in his first letter to the Corinthians. And part of this passage is very, very, very familiar. Uh, it's been quoted uh, it's usually quoted before congregations uh, take uh, the, the communion, uh, before we take the, the bread and the wine. Uh, if you grew up Church of Christ, you've heard this quoted easily 100 times a year. <laughs> easily, right? Like 52 Sundays a year. Um, back in the days, morning and evening service, that's 104. Uh, you get four Sundays off without penalty. So <laughs> 48, 80, 90, 96, 96 times a year you heard this. We round up to 100 because sometimes we like would go visit. Uh, so 100 times a year, I'm 50. That's 5,000 times. 5,000 times I have heard that which I received from the Lord I'll give to you. <laughs> and we take it before our particular service at the table. Uh, if you were a teenager, who could actually read these passages and rifle off a couple of short prayers about the bread and the wine, you qualified to be able to preside over the table. If you're the type of teenager who could actually recite this from memory, you're what we want. You are what we want. Actually, you memorize the Bible verse and say it in public. Um, but I, I want to actually look at what Paul is saying in this passage, not necessarily use the passage for what we normally use it for, but look at what Paul is actually saying in this passage so that we don't miss his message in the passage. Is, is that all right? Is that all right? All right. So uh, in this letter uh, to the Corinthians, Paul talks about a lot of different subjects. He covers a lot of stuff in this letter. And, and some of the things that Paul talks about in this letter are responses to things that he's heard about the Corinthian church. He's, he's, he's responding to things that, that people have written to him about in letters and that people have given him reports about what's going on in the church. And we're going to look at this passage because this passage is Paul's response to one of these things that he hears about or, or receives a letter about that's going on in the Corinthian church. So we see that this isn't as much about communion itself as to Paul responding to what's going on in this congregation in and around 
the Lord's Supper. Is that, is that all right? All right, let, let, let's pull up the text. Because Paul definitely makes a, a, a switch in topic here. And in verse 17, he goes to the new topic and he says, now in giving you this next command, I do not praise you. Now, in giving you this next command, I do not praise you. So Paul is about to be critical of them because he has no praise for them in what he's about to talk about. We see that already. All right. So this is, again, this is one of those moments where, hey, look, look, uh, sit down. I need to talk to you about something. All right. Got to get something off my chest. Got to got to bring this up. So he, he's going to be critical of them and he's going to give them instructions. He said, look, in, in this next command, I got some instructions uh, that I want you to follow. He's going to give them some instructions to fix the situation. Again, he says, now in in giving you this next command, I do not praise you because this is why he doesn't pray. He, he, he can't give them praise because when you come together. It sounds as if you are doing more harm than good, right? This is the EHV. The wording's a little different. Uh, uh, now, give me this, this, uh, this next command. I do not praise you because you come together not for the better, but for the worse. When you guys come together, you're doing as much harm as you are good. When you guys come together, you might be doing more harm than good, right? We know people that feel this way. There are some people that don't want to come to a gathering like this because of the gathering like this, right? Now, trust me, I just so happen to be a human. <laughs> and so when you're a human, all kinds of reasons why, not, why, why you don't want to come to a gathering like this, right? It's usually early, it's in the morning, and typically, people don't want to get out of their beds in the morning. Now, why that makes all the sense in the world, I agree with that. I understand that. I like my bed. But getting out of it has its merits. Uh, sometimes there are other things that we would like to use this time for. So we have to make a decision about we're going to do this or that. It's all kind of reasons. But sometimes people don't want to come to the gathering because of the gathering and what goes on at the gathering. And so Paul says, I, I can't praise you about what goes on at your gatherings because sometimes your gatherings might cause more harm than good. We all there? We all there? So he goes on to verse 18. He says, for in the first place, for the first thing I'm hearing is, I hear that when you come together in an assembly, there are, what's that word? Divisions. Divisions. See, Paul's not talking about communion. Paul's talking about divisions. When you come together in the assembly, there, in the assembly, there are, in the assembly, there are, when you assemble, there are divisions in the assembly. Paul said he heard this. Paul says he believes it. And when they come together, they're not together. That's the problem. That's what he can't praise them about. He says, I can't praise you about when you guys come together, because when you come together, you're not really together. That's what I hear. And I believe it. 
I believe it. He goes on. He says, verse 20. So when you come together in the same place, he doesn't even call it an assembly anymore. It's not an assembly because there are divisions in the assembly. So if there are divisions in the assembly, it's not even an assembly. You guys have just come together in the same place. Just like if you guys go to the grocery store, a whole bunch of people went in there. That's not an assembly. They're not together. You go to the movie theater, it's a whole bunch of people in there. But that's not an assembly because they're not together. That's just people in the same place. And sometimes when you go to the grocery store or the movie theater, you wish that other people weren't there. <laughs> and these long lines. Why are you sitting in my row? <clears throat> so just because you're in the same place doesn't mean that you are together. Amen. So he says, so when you come together in the same place, it's not the Lord's supper that you eat. He's saying you are not fulfilling the purpose of coming together. You're doing stuff, but what you're doing ain't what you're supposed to be doing or what you're doing doesn't have the significance that it's supposed to have. What you're doing doesn't mean what it's supposed to mean. You guys, you're in the same place. Some of you are doing the same things, but you're not together and it's not significant the way it's supposed to be. It doesn't hold the meaning or the purpose that it's supposed to have. Are, are we there? 21, he gives, he gives a reason. He says, see, see, what I'm hearing is for when you eat, each one goes ahead and takes his own supper. And so one person goes hungry while another is drunk. Okay, so a, a short explanation for, for people who are unfamiliar uh, with, this, with this concept. In the early church, uh, when they came together, they would share an actual meal. All the stuff for the meal. Uh, it was uh, an offshoot of what we understand to be the, the Passover meal. It was the Passover meal within which Jesus gave what we understand to be the bread and the wine, the communion, which were going to be symbolic of the sacrifice that he made, his broken body, his shed blood. So when the early church came together in understanding uh, uh, this offshoot or this, this new covenant or this new sacrifice, this new miracle that God had done for them through Jesus, uh, likened to the Passover meal, they would have an actual meal together. And during that meal, they would acknowledge the, 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 the bread and the wine as the body and the blood of Jesus and they would do what we understand to be communion in the context of the meal that happened while they were eating the meal. We okay with that? We okay with that? So that's why uh, he talks about this, this idea of, of being drunk because if you're only familiar with the way that we take communion in the larger assembly, the idea of getting drunk off of that little how's that even happen? You would have to like take the whole tray You, know, you have to age it a little bit, all that kind of stuff. So that's why he says that, that uh, it's, it's a different context to them. So the Lord's Supper is about fellowship and communion with each other and with God. Are, are, are we all there? The gathering is about fellowship. See, they ate and drank at the gathering, but he's criticizing the way that they ate and drank. So the gathering is not about eating and drinking. Are we there? 
We don't go to the gathering because there's food there. We don't go to the gathering because there's drink there because he's talking about them for eating and drinking the way that they're eating and drinking. Uh, 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 the Lord's Supper is supposed to be about fellowship and communion with each other and with God. The gathering is about fellowship. Coming together is about fellowship. Coming together is about coming together. Are we there? We don't come together to be divided. We come together to be together. Are, are, are we all there? And so Paul's criticism is that they're not together. That's the thing. And so he, 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 said, he says, when you come together, you are not together. He says, you're supposed to have the Lord's Supper together, but you guys aren't even eating together. Are, are, are you there? It's supposed to be a potluck. That's what it's supposed to be, right? And we know that when there's a potluck, some people bring the pots, some people bring the luck. <laughs> right? Right? Even when we have potlucks, we look forward to certain people bringing certain things because we know, mwah, mwah. And we know somebody else is going to bring plates and Dr. Thunder. It's the worst. <laughs> Time out. Side, sidebar. If you are assigned drinks for the potluck, number one, accept your station in life and don't go generic. Okay? That's just don't. Don't go generic when you have the drinks. All right? So it's supposed to be a potluck. And that means some people are able to and hopefully willing to provide a lot because they have the means. That means some people are unable to provide much because they don't have the means. But the idea is not if you bring a lot, you get a lot. And if you bring a little, you get a little. The idea is it's a potluck. You bring the pots, get lucky. It's supposed to be a potluck. Everybody chips in, everybody shares, Everybody's together, but in, in their potluck, they have people who are just splintering off and eating their own food. He said that people, you, you, you guys are going and having your own supper, right? Little pockets over here, that guy over there by himself, a little group over there, a couple over there. He says, you're supposed to be having a potluck, but people are just splintering her off. They're, 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 they're having their own food. They're having their separate meals. He says, some people don't get anything to eat at all. And he says, other people, they are eating and drinking way too much. You guys are supposed to be coming together to have the Lord's Supper. But in your togetherness, having the Lord's Supper, there's division. And we see the division because that guy is over there rubbing his belly because he's hungry. And that guy is over there passed out drunk. That's the problem. Amen, 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 amen. Are, are we all there together? That's why in verse 22, he says, don't you guys have homes to eat and drink in? Now, some people use that verse the wrong way. Some people use that verse and say, you're not supposed to eat in the church because he says, don't you have homes to eat and drink in? That's not what he's saying there. He's criticizing how they're doing what they're doing. He says, if it's about the food and the drink, you can do that at home. Coming together to eat and drink is not about the eating and drinking. Are, are, are we all there? 
So, so if, if, if it's about the eating and the drinking for you, you can do that at home. Why do you come to the gathering and disgrace the gathering and show that you despise your brothers and sisters by being gluttonous, by going first, by not waiting for everybody, by you taking too much and other people not getting anything. Some of you guys are rushing and getting the food. Some of you guys are, are bringing your own food and keeping your own food. Some of you guys bring your own sack lunch and keeping yours for you. And you're splintering off and having your own meals. You're coming together to be a part. And there are reasons for that. There's a reason that a person decides, I'll be there, but I ain't really going to be there. There's a reason why a person says, yeah, I'll go, but I won't be bothered. There's a reason why people say, "Uh, uh, I'll show up, but I don't want nobody talking to me. There's a reason why a person says, I'll go a little late so I can slip in and nobody will bother me. I'll leave a little early so I can slip out and nobody will bother me. Those are all heart reasons. Those are all perception reasons about who's there, what's there, and why we're going. Amen? Amen? Now, I'm going to tell you uh, this about me, because once again, I, I just so happen to be human. And there are events that I feel like I have to go to sometimes. And I'll talk to my wife about it, and I'll be like, eh, you know, showing up on time is not a priority. I have to show my face, right? You guys ever have show your face obligations? Right? You just got to show your face. You don't want to be there. Something makes you think you're supposed to be there. It's probably beneficial for you or somebody else if you are there. So I'm just going (laughs) to. I'm here. No, 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 no. Just wanted to let you see I'm here. And as soon as you turn around, I'm not here anymore. (laughs) Right? That has nothing to do with the people. I don't want to be a part of the people. Has nothing to do with the event. I don't want to be a part of what's going on with the event. But there is something that makes me think I'm supposed to show my face. And on Sunday mornings, the gathering has become a show my face event for a lot of people who are not grasping what Paul wants us to grasp about the gathering. Right? Right? He's saying if it's about the if if, if it's about the food. Eat at home. If it's about to drink, eat at home. He says, what you are doing is disgracing the church. He says, do, do, you, do you despise the Lord's church that much? Uh, 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 that, that you're disgracing the Lord's church that much? Because when you come together for the Lord's Supper, it's not about the food. When you come together, it's about being together. When you come together, it's about the fellowship. When you come together, you're not supposed to go, is there any more chicken? When you come together, you're supposed to say, Where, where's, where, where's Randall? I don't see him. Anybody know where Randall is? Is, is he sick? Anybody seen Randall? I'm going to go check on Randall. That's what it's about. Are, are we okay with that? Are we okay with that? Right now, we should look around and go, oh, we know who's not here. We should be able to, to know who's usually there and they're not there. And hopefully we have the type of relationship where we knew they weren't going to be here because they, we've been talking to them and they told us why they weren't going to be here. It's not an emergency. It's just, you know, some other reason. And so they, they went there or they had that plan or they went on a, a trip or, 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 or whatever. It shouldn't be a matter of that seat's just empty now. I don't even know who used to be in that seat. It's just empty now. Wow, it looked kind of sparse in there today. I wonder where everybody is. Because, again, it's not about the thing. It's about the us. Are, are, are we there? When you come together, it's about the 
fellowship, and that's what Paul is trying to fix here. That's what Paul is addressing here. You're not supposed to come together for the thing. Once again, you're supposed to come together for each other. Amen? Are we all there? Are we all there? So we pray together, but it's not about the event of praying. It's about praying together. We praise together, but it's not about the event of praising. It's about praising together. We take communion together, but it's not about the event of taking communion. It's about taking communion together. And it's the togetherness that we are supposed to be binding on and building upon. And that is the tantamount of most tantamount importance. I'm going to tell you this. Um, Y'all may not realize this. You can pray at home by yourself. And if you do, God will hear you. I'll tell you something else. You know what? Literally any day of the week that you're breathing, you can sing praises to God. Anywhere. At home, in the bathroom, in the car, at work, if your coworkers don't mess with you. Uh, you can sing praises by yourself. And God will hear you. I'm going to tell you something else. Okay, I'm, I know this, this is insider stuff. This is insider stuff. They sell that little cracker and juice all over the place. <laughs> and they will sell it to anybody. You, you ain't got to have no special church card or nothing. You can just buy crackers and juice. You can buy yourself little gold trays. You know, if you want to, you can buy yourself white gloves and get real formal with your service. You can set up your whole little, you can buy, you can buy a little table. You can write in remembrance of, you can buy, you get your whole little setup. You can do all the stuff that we do here by yourself or with people that you actually enjoy being around. You can do that. You can do that. So even though we come together and do things, it's not about doing the things. It's about doing the things. Are we all there? Are we all there? That's why when you prepare family meals, you prepare family meals with the family in mind. And if somebody just bombarded your house, some stranger just came in and started taking your food, you'd wonder why is this person who I don't want to be here taking my food? Because we understand the concept of the invited, the family, the part of the group, the intended. It's about the togetherness. Are, are, are we all there? Are we all there? And so in, in addressing this problem that they are not assembling and that they are not together, that they're just coming to the same place and that even though they're in the same place, they're divided in the same place. He gives them this command in verse 33. Now, remember, he started in, in verse 17 and in verse 17, he started with now in giving you this next command. Right. That's where he started. Now, in giving you this next command, I have no praise for you. And he states the problem. What's the problem? Division. And then he states why it's a problem. He tells them all the things that he's hearing about that's going on with how they act and what they do when they come together. And then he gives this entire explanation of the communion as a celebration of the shared covenant. That's why you have that whole part in the middle that we've decided to just pluck out and use as our pre-communion 
mantra. But the reason that whole thing is in the middle is because he's addressing the problem, explaining why it's a problem, and then giving a solution to the problem. The reason that it's a problem is everything that he explains in his explanation of the communion as a celebration of our shared covenant. When we take the communion, we are participating in the celebration of the shared covenant. If we don't actually understand that we share this covenant, then we don't need to participate in the celebration. Are you going to Mary's birthday party? I don't even like Mary. Why would I go to her party? But when we come to Jesus's party, it's because we're celebrating Jesus with everybody else who celebrates Jesus and everybody else who loves Jesus. And I love you because you love Jesus. Right. Do you know why I love you? This is my grandmother. The very first time my grandmother laid eyes on my wife because she wasn't able to come to the wedding. Her age wouldn't allow her to travel to California. So we went to go see her. And the very first time, she just grabbed her. She just grabbed her. You got to keep in mind, my wife is like 5'2". My grandmother's like 4'2". <laughs> she just grabbed her. She didn't say hi. She grabbed her. And she just said, do you know why I love you? First time she ever laid eyes on her, but she loves her. Do you know why I love you? Because you love Jonathan which makes all the sense in the world to me. <laughs> but do you know why I love you? Because Jesus loves you. Because you love Jesus. And that's why we're in this together, because we love Jesus, and we have this celebration of our shared covenant, and the covenant that we have with God binds us together as family. That's why you're my brother. That's why you're my sister. And not that I wouldn't do for people who aren't my brothers and sisters. I do for people who aren't my brothers and sisters. But when you are my brother and you are my sister, that much more. That much the more. Amen? Are, are we all there? And so he gives this explanation of the celebration of the shared covenant. And then he gives them the instructions in verse 33. See, the problem is you guys come to the same place when you're supposed to be coming together. But you're not coming together, you're just coming to the same place. And you're supposed to be participating in this celebration of the shared covenant where you are acknowledging and recognizing and celebrating what God has done for you by the partaking, by, by the shared partaking of his broken body and his shed blood. Because when I take this, this is what God did for me. This is what God did for you. This is what God did for us. This is why we are alive. This is why we have new life in him. This is why we are the body. This is why we are the church. This is literally sustaining me and my spiritual life. This is uh, symbolic of the reason why I'm giving to you and we are bonded. This is why you are giving to me and we are bonded. And, and how weird that we take this very symbol of unity between us and God and us and each other, and we decide, I'll have mine over here. I'm good. I don't even know why you come over here. You know I don't like you. <laughs> I 
That doesn't even make sense, right? Let's take this symbol of unity separately. Let's take this unit, this symbol of shared covenant separately. Let's take this, uh, uh, this celebration of bonding separately. And, and it has less to do with the actual mechanics of how it's done, but everything to do with the heart when it's done. Amen, amen, amen. amen. And in verse 33, he gives a very simple instruction. It's so simple, it's genius. He doesn't tell them how to feel. He doesn't tell them how to think. Because he, he can't force unity and he can't force oneness. But he says, he says, when you come together, when you come together, wait for one another. Just wait. That in itself is going to solve the problem about, about the poor person who, who actually does need to eat a little something. So for him, it, it might be partially about the food. And that'll solve the problem about the gluttonous guy who's always eating the chicken wings before people can get there. When you come together, just wait for each other. And so if nothing else, where, wherever your heart is, wherever your mind is, if you are following the mechanical instruction of just waiting for each other, then that brings to the front of your brain that other people matter. Whether you really feel it or not, whether you really embrace it or not, whether you want to wait or not, you are at least is in the front of your brain that I am supposed to wait for others and that other people are supposed to matter in what it is that we're doing. And you can sit there with a scowl on your face. You can sit there and be mad because somebody's late. You, you, however you actually feel about it, the simple mechanics of this is bringing the awareness that it's less about the food and more about all of us and why we're coming together in the first place. Are we all there? So we have to wait for each other. We have to wait for each other and understand that in the coming together, we're not coming together to do the acts. And in the coming together, we're not coming together to fulfill the obligation. We are coming together to be together. And when we actually understand that we're coming together to be together, we might do some things differently while we're here. Amen? Amen? I mean, the guy that usually gives the messages might, might realize, you know what, they really enjoy spending time together. They enjoy talking, getting to know each other. Maybe I'll, I'll shave a few minutes off so they have a few more extra minutes so they can do that. I mean, but you know, when, when I say my final amen and people get up and run to their cars, that's no motivation for me to stop. <laughs> Keep the party going. Just keep the party going. Right? <laughs> you see, today's equivalent to this attitude that they had in the, in the Corinthians church at the time, it says something like, I go to church to worship the Lord. I don't care what anybody else does. I do what I have to do, and I don't worry about anybody else. That's that attitude. And I know I'm not the only person that's ever heard something like that. A -a -a Amen? When we come together, we're supposed to be together. We're not supposed to come and come in and go away 
and be completely unaffected by other people. It's about the oneness of the assembly. Are we all there? Are we all there? So when we talk about next steps, these are really, 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 really practical things. It's very, very practical things. And that's why we started uh, 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 with James giving this, un this understanding that, that faith is actually working faith. It's faith that does stuff. And it's faith that does stuff that is obviously because we have faith in God. The stuff that we do is a direct response to how we understand God wanting us to live this new life. And that's why we went right into this idea that if we are living a life of faith, we are living a life that is learning and that we are constantly consuming uh, information and examples from our mentors and from people who are shaping us and molding us, iron sharpening iron and all that kind of stuff. And we're also people who are not only learning and, and consuming, but we're conduits because we're also going to be teaching people that we can help become spiritually more spiritually mature. That's my station in the family. Amen. I'm somebody's little brother and I'm somebody's big brother. And that makes sense to me. Right. Some of you are pouring into me. Some of you I'm pouring into. And that makes sense to me. Right. And that's who God is telling us to be. And the idea is, how are we ever going to get to this 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 place where we have these relationships where people are pouring into me and I'm pouring into other people? If we are not understanding that when we're coming together, we're coming together to be together and that faith is actually fellowshipping with your given family so that you can understand your place in the family and fulfill your role in the family. The Hebrew writer says, you guys don't give up on this practice of coming together to consider one another. That's what he says. When you come together, it's about each other. It's about getting to know each other, getting to know each other in such a way that you know how to help each other. Is that what he says? Is that what he says? But, you know, we, we like certain versions and we use scripture instead of listening to scripture. And we just say, don't forsake the assembly. Don't forsake the assembly. We are commanded not to forsake the assembly. <laughs> no, we are encouraged to understand that we're supposed to come together for each other so we can help each other. Amen, amen, amen. So that's why the next steps get to be really, really, really practical. We have to decide that this is what God wants for us. We have to look to our left, to our, to our right, look in front of us, look in back of us, and decide these are my people. These are my brothers. These are my sisters. These are my older brothers, my, 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 my younger sisters. These are my, my, my surrogate aunts and uncles. These are my surrogate grandparents. That's, that's who these people are. And God wants me to love them, and God wants them to love me. And when we come here, it's the family celebration of our shared covenant. And I'm supposed to be here for them, and they're supposed to be here for me. I'm supposed to be better for them. They're supposed to be better for me. We're supposed to be better because of each other. That's why we come together to pray and praise and commune together. And so the next step is very simple. Just make the mental switch. Make the mental switch. It's not about being here at 11 o'clock and getting out of here by 12.15. It's not. It's not. And when I, when I hear things like, you know, getting out of 12.20 is too long, movies are 90 minutes long. <laughs> movies are 90 minutes long. You can't, you can't have your soul massaged for 90 minutes. Amen. Make the decision that coming together is about being 
together. It's not about staying in your little isolated space and doing the things that you think check off your five acts of worship. It's about being together. You should, you should get love and give love while you're here. You should get encouraged, uh, 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 be encouraged and give encouragement while you're here. You should be able to express anything that's going on. If, if, if bad things are going on, you should find some comfort here from somebody. Somebody's supposed to hug you and care. And we have to trust that people will. We got to open up and let people know what life is going on or what's going on in our lives so we can be a benefit to each other in, in their lives. A amen, 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 amen. And again, the invitation is there for people who are not in relationship with God the way the Bible describes relationship with God. We want you to understand who God is, the way he reveals himself through the word. And we want to help you understand who God is by giving you the testimony of how God has, has, has affected our lives since we've been in relationship with him. And we want to open the scriptures and let you know why Jesus came to earth and the offer of salvation that he makes for your life. And that's why I always, I always put my information up there. So that anybody, you know, so if, 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 if this small synopsis of, of the gospel is, 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 is not enough to answer the questions that you have in your mind, send me a text, catch me on, on, online somehow, and we'll sit down, we'll have the conversation, we'll open up the scriptures, and we'll talk Jesus. And hopefully you'll come to the understanding of how much God loves you and how much Jesus loves you and how much the ministry of Jesus is strictly so that you can be in relationship with God, how God wants to save your soul and why God wants you to get baptized. And having the full understanding that we believe you'll love God back in such a way that you'll respond the way God wants you to respond and give your life to him to become one of his children and be one of our brothers and sisters. And in as much as it, I'm saying that it's about us being together, it's about us being together because of God. Amen, amen? amen. We're gonna stand, this is our tradition to stand and sing what we call the invitation song. If you need more information, if you, if you want to talk about Jesus and, and, and the offer of salvation, eternal life, heaven, hell, what baptism is all about, again, contact me, catch me outside, we'll have the conversation whenever you want to have the conversation. If you know that today is your day and you want to surrender your life to God, we're going to ask that you come down and let us know that while we sing the song and we'll baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and God will wash you clean and raise you up a new creature in life. Amen. Hallelujah. If you need prayers and you'd like the, the elders and our other prayer leaders to pray with you, they're going to make their way over uh, through this door uh, to our cafe. And if you have prayers, whether you filled out uh, a prayer card or not, you can join them uh, in that room and they will pray with you and for you and follow up with you and try to make sure that your needs are met in the days and weeks to come. But now we're going to stand. If you'd like to give your life over to God, if you need prayer, make your way down as we sing. When peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot thou hast taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul. It is well. It is well.
about some of the work here in the congregation. Stand my ups and downs. There you were. With sweet love and devotion, deeply touching my emotion. I want to stop. Thank you, baby. I want to stop. And thank you, baby. Yes, I do. How sweet it is to. Father in heaven, we come together as a family. Um, 
with you in our midst, sharing the common love that you instilled in us as you brought us all together as adopted children, your adopted children, family, Lord. Thank you for doing this. This is something that only you could do through your plan of salvation. We are all very, very grateful, Lord, that you've rescued us and have adopted us. As we're together, Father, we also want to remember all of the work that's going on here, the work that you've charged us to do. And um, as we go about serving our communities and serving uh, mission fields all around the world, right here, Lord, right here in this congregation, we have Dan and Rochelle that are working with all of our teens and they are doing an incredible job um, building strong faith, building belief, serving out of love and compassion. And we saw all of these faces, all of these people brought together enjoying one another in that common bond. Father, you are the author and the perfecter of love. Help us to love each other deeply. Continue to inspire these teens and uh, young people and those that are in this ministry to love deeply and to serve this congregation and the community around us out of the great love that comes from you. We thank you, Lord, for all of this. We pray this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. If you're able to, let's all stand for our final song, Worthy is the Lamb. Thank you for the cross, Lord. Thank you for the price you paid. Bearing all my sin and shame, in love you came and gave amazing grace. Thank you for the love, Lord. Thank you for the nail-pierced hands. Wash me in your cleansing flow, now all I know, your forgiveness and embrace. Worthy is the Lamb, seated on the throne, crown you now with many crowns, you reign victorious. Jesus, Son of Jesus, God. Son.
my sin and shame in love you came and gave amazing grace thank you for the love lord thank you for the nail pierced hands wash me in your cleansing flow now all i know your forgiveness and embrace 